another week of Routes Through Pokemon Adventure. I'm your host, Rosella. I'm Ruby. And I am Shaylock. And together we are journeying through the series of Pokemon video games, Pokemon Adventures manga, and the Pokemon anime. And this week in particular, we are talking about both the manga and anime as we work our way to the last gym and a little beyond. So... With the manga, we will work our way to that gym with some interesting sidesteps, and then after that we will start with the gym and the anime and go from there. So, we will be covering chapters 34, and Mewtwo 2, 35, and Mewtwo 3, chapter 36, Drat That Dratini, chapter 37, Golly Gollum, and chapter 38, Long live the Nidal Queen! And then we will be jumping into the anime after that with episode 63, The Battle of the Badge. And episode 64... It's Mr. Mime Time! Episode 67... Showdown at the Poke Corral! And episode 68... The Evolution Solution. And finally, episode 69, The, the Pikahuna. But before we get all into that, let's just do a check-in on where people are in uh, their own little Pokemon journeys with other various things. For example, um, Pokemon Go. I've finally reached level 40, so that's been really exciting. Because I now discovered that you have to do other missions. Spoilers for other people. Well, whatever. When you hit level 40, it's not just getting experience points. Now you have to do other things. Like, I had to do 30 raids, which I'm still working on. I had to power up, like, 10 mythical or legendary Pokemon, which I finished, because I had enough candy for the different legendaries I had. Um, and there's a couple other things I had to do. I have everything done except for the raids. But I also still have to get, you know... Oh, well, I don't even think I've hit a million yet out of the 6 million experience points I need. <laughs> <laughs> also, the Detective Pikachu game uh, is come, or Returns comes out, so they have uh, Detective Pikachu forms out there that I caught a few of, and as I long as the Slowpoke. Yeah, but you still have some, because I caught them. <laughs> right on, right on. Um, oh, and I got my second Master Ball. I have two in Pokemon Go. I did one from what? a regular quest, and I just finished the timed research. Well, I finished it a couple days ago, but I finally collected on it with... Uh, Lucky Egg and all that stuff in Evolutions. I don't hear about that. Yeah. Oh! Ball. Tell him how many... And I have three shiny Eevees, which I'm so excited about. It took forever to get the first one, and then I got, like... Then it took forever to get the second one, but then after the second one, I got, like, a third one the very next day, which was super exciting, and I have recently just evolved one of them into my shiny Umbreon but with the a, blue markings. But there's a funny story to that. I'm very annoyed I don't have a shiny Eevee yet, and so when he got his second one, I was so annoyed. Then he cut his third one after that. I didn't know about it for a few days. But yeah, then I was it... keeping it a secret because I knew that it would hurt her feelings because she still didn't have one and I had three. <laughs> but then, in a ride home, my, he, I was asking him what the appraise of his Eevees were, which is the stars that are on them. And he said he had, what was it, a two? A... I had no three stars. I had a two, a one, and a zero. And I'm like, What? You've got three? <laughs> she tricked me. <laughs> it was not on purpose, but it was hilarious. Yeah. So, that's where that's all at. Yeah, we just did recently 
pulled off a mega raid for the mega Gardevoir candy too, mm-hmm. which was really exciting because I actually now have enough candy to mega evolve my Gardevoir. I got nice. my first Gardevoir. From that raid? Yeah. Nice. So also, while Ruby and I have been working our way through the main series of games, we dabble a little bit in Scarlet and Violet as well, but we're not very far. I think we've done two gyms, one star raid or star battle thing. Um, the Team Star. Probably. And yeah, we did one Team Star. Remember where all the people I know definitely right. we did one. And we've done star. two gyms, I'm pretty sure. And we also did the cloth, like the Titan. Oh, thing. yeah. But that's as far as we've gotten. I play a little bit with one of my other kids, too, on that one. Just I We just did some raids and stuff because he wants to play with me. Oh, that's right. You're evolving things without me. Always. Anyway. Um... You're evolving your big fiery guy. Oh, the. Wait, Coco. Oh, he's still a crocolar. What's a crocolar? Does it have an egg on his head? He has the weird sombrero hat thing, the yellow hat. That looks like an egg. Maybe. Now I have to relook at him, but I think it's just supposed to be a sombrero. It looks like an egg. Maybe you evolved it before me for a long time or something. He's He's been been evolving. Crocolar's been crocolar forever. He's been evolving things without me. Anyway, besides that though. I've been playing Sword and Shield as well because Rosella wanted to play Pokemon game with me, so we've been working through there. And so I chose who did I choose for that one? I guess the guy. Oh, the water Pokemon because I knew that Ruby would have the water Pokemon when we played. I'll probably take Grookey then. So yeah, I have Sobble, who is already an Inteleon. He's fully evolved, and you have Cinderace. Cinderace, because you love your fight. That's right. Scorpion. Rosella is our fire fanatic. <laughs> um. We've got one of each. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely been finding myself to enjoy the grass stuff more and more. Leafeon has definitely become my, my favorite. Glaceon is so my favorite EV evolution. Which is ice, not water. Larian. Mom, Pokemon cards, I might have more ice than water. <laughs> <laughs> um, but So, where are we so far in our Sword and Shield journey? We've completed all the gyms. Yeah, we have. All eight. Now we're going to start heading on our way to town. Yeah, well, we already took the, like, train or something up there, so we're... We actually just got to another town up in the snowy mountains or whatever, right? Yeah. That was that big snow hill that we had fought a lot of trainers on, and... I made it to the town. Did you make it that far? I can't remember. I think so. Because I know you were struggling, because your Pokemon were dying or something. That sucks. I do not like fighting so many trainers! I like fighting Pokemon, not trainers. You know, that's the thing with Rosella. She's having a tough time leveling up. She's always been, like, much lower levels than I am when we hit the gyms. Because she also swaps out her Pokemon more often than I do because she wants to fit them for the gyms where I just mostly have Inteleon and Eevee Evolutions. Because well, I, I have all the Eevee Evolutions Even in that if game. it's a oh, water nice. gym, I always have Flareon. Yeah. In, in... Not Flareon. Cinderace. Cinderace. I always have Cinderace. Yeah. Because a lot of the, the Eevee Evolutions can, like, branch off a little bit, too. So, like, we noticed this even in Red and Blue with Jolteon. He has that that needle attack that's a bug attack so it's good against psychic and he also has double kick which is fighting which is good against things like rock and things right and ice once we have all the eevee evolutions or even more of them i'll probably just have that for my party for the rest of the game right and so then flareon i think he gets like a poison attack that i have with him or something yeah, he is, or maybe it's a dark attack. Somebody has a dark. I mean, no, Umbreon has dark attacks too, obviously. But so it's just fun when they can branch off and they can they can fill more than one role. Yeah. But yeah, in Scarlet and Violet, I don't have enough to like. I don't have all the stuff for all the Eevee evolutions yet. I don't think. I know I have like a bunch of them, but I don't remember which ones I got. I've got Glaceon at least. Yeah, I think I got Glaceon because because when we got Scarlet and Violet was when the game came out, 
and they really close to after it came out they did all those ev raid battles so we were constantly doing those and a lot of those rewards more than me. yeah a lot of the rewards you get from them were like um the stones though for evolving things i hope that they do that again because i will yeah we're way behind on all the exciting events that they keep putting in that game because we're really slow at going through that game <laughs> yeah. because we're trying to get to the main series right so that's Ooh, excuse me. That's what's been going on in my Pokemon stuff. Is there any other Pokemon stuff? Well, we, we, we can get cards, too. That's always been fun. A lot of the Scarlet and Violet cards. I even got yeah. myself the Elite Trainer box for Maridon. So I got a cool-looking Maridon in my box, which is really fun. I don't even know if it's all that strong. I don't play enough to really know what's good, but... Yeah, some cool It's card. a fun card. <laughs> yeah, I've got this, like, com well, supposed to be a common Pokemon, Comfy. And its art is really pretty, so it's like a rare, but it's had 60 health probably, and like does 20 damage. <laughs> Today I've just made my first mixed deck with fire and grass and two dragons. Ooh, a that's dragon fun. Feet. Yeah, so you, I know you get to play a lot more of the card game than I do, because I have a lot of things I want to do and a lot of different games I want to play, so I don't always have the time for it. But yeah. um, I kind of like to collect them collect yeah the collecting cool them is really fun but i do like to play on occasion too so yeah and i am one of my kids Stop has recently it. built me a deck with his own cards it's probably not very good but i should play it sometime soon <laughs> i built you a deck for your birthday yes you did i think i played it oh yeah 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 i played it i destroyed you remember that oh yeah that's right i destroy everyone with my deck yeah it's and when you went, well with the deck you built me we traded the day before because it was around my birthday right uh-huh and I was going to give you... Oh, oh, yes. He had a Glaceon V-Max. I had a Glaceon V-Max with no Glaceon V. And I had Glaceon V. And so I, I wanted the Glaceon V. Yeah. And I was... I told, him, I told him that night, after I had already built the deck, I am never going to trade you Glaceon V. Which I already kind of knew, and she wasn't lying. She never traded it to me. But nope. then I was like, well, I might as well just give her the VMAX then. So we, so she wanted a lot of things, including... I knew she wanted the VMAX, and so we were trying to trade, and the VMAX is a little on the damage side. Like, it's a little bent and it stuff. It doesn't matter. I would trade for it if I wasn't giving him crazy <laughs> But, like, so she, uh, yeah, she kept hemming and hawing over it and she played it really well actually and like i was convinced and she ended up getting a bunch of other cards from me with other good stuff and i got some cards and i'm like okay well i guess i'll keep this and then yeah sure enough on my birthday she was super excited because she built me a deck with glaceon v in it that i could eventually trade one of the cards out for glaceon v max and so which i haven't done yet when i played it i didn't tr do that trade out yet so i should do that too but my little brother recently got Glaceon V, so I got that up real quick. <laughs> oh, you have a new Glaceon V? Oh, yeah. Remember, you wanted it, too. But Oh, that's right. I got You got a Leafy on V recently. I'll though. give you my bent one for the... Your bent oh, no. what? Oh, my Glaceon V Max is the bent card. Never mind. All right. Whatever. The other one is in great condition. Yes, it is in good I time. kept it in good yes. condition. Oh, I appreciate that. I have Larian V Nut. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about that. I have Leafy on V, though, and I'm very happy about that. I got Leafy on V. So, oh, that's right. You got that right after I got my tr Elite Trainer box, right? Probably. Because you got a Gyarados out of it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We were going to stores, and I bought myself a little pack with it, but I didn't know there was Leafy V, and we were going home, and he was probably at work, and I opened up the pack, and I'm like, ah! Yeah, routine when I get home is we usually go for a, a ride in the, my car when I get home because I always like to have a ride with daddy or whatever. So we just kind of drive just on our road. Yeah, and it's just on our back road. So 
it's nothing. But uh, <laughs> she was telling me about it, and I'm like, oh. <gasps> and I, in my Elite Trainer box, got two Gyarados EXs. Yeah, so, they look terrestrialized too, yeah, just like you can do in the game, and it looks yeah. super cool. So she really wanted one of those, and I'm like, well, I'm sure we can trade for it eventually. And then she got the Leafy on V soon after, and it's like, well, we can go right in, and we can trade those right off the bat. I know exactly where my Gyarados EX yep. is. <laughs> so that was fun. All right. Anything else uh, going on in your lives that you want to share? I have a three-star Lucky Glaceon in Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah, because you got to get a lucky trade with your mom, right? Yes. Nice. And then the Eevee was three-star or whatever. So. Yeah. Well, the Eevee was like a two-star. Yeah, it was two-star. But because but it was lucky, trade. it became three mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And so I'm happy about that. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, should we dive into the manga chapters now? Sure. Yeah. Alright, so we start off with Mewtwo 2. So where we left off in the manga, they finished the whole Saffron City battle with the Sylph Company, where the Team Rocket people were, and we had the Winged Legends, all, the three birds merge into one, and then they split them back apart, and Red won, of course, today, along with the help of the good gym leaders, and Blue and Green, they kind of all teamed up to finish things off. So that was cool. But now... We catch up with, well, first we see Blaine, who we haven't seen since the uh, fire Cinnabar Island stuff. And he's freaking out as Mewtwo escapes from, from the lab that Mewtwo is being experimented on. And there's other Team Rocket people there, so it's obviously a Team Rocket lab. Um, and remember, we found out that he was a traitor, so he doesn't work with Team Rocket anymore. So this seems kind of weird. But then we find out when Blaine wakes up that this was just a dream from when he was working on the Mewtwo experiment for Team Rocket. And then his arm hurts, uh, it looks like. Like, he's mm -hmm. he's having some trouble with that. And he gets up, because he was just camping outside in the middle of some, like, forest or something. Um, and he climbs up onto his Rapidash, and then he continues his journey, saying he's almost there, and it's to Cerulean City. That's where he's headed, right? Blaine says that? Yeah, uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Okay. So then we cut to Red at a Pokemon Center, chatting with Bill over the little vid screen things that we've seen in the anime, right? And they are talking about the beast of Cerulean City that fried the town and then slipped into the Cerulean Caves. Now, those that have played through Red and Blue know... Well, even Ruby and I found the cave. We just couldn't go in it yet because we haven't beat the Elite Four yet. In Red and Blue? Yeah. Once we finally got Surf, we were exploring everywhere. We went to Cerulean City and surfed down that river and got up there. And there was that guy in front of a cave. And he's like, once you become a champion, you can go in. And then we fought some person with um, a Paris, which reminded me of the whole Paris episode. So yeah, we, we've been to that cave where they went, let us in. So we, we know that it's there. And I've beaten, like, Leaf Green or whatever. And I think the same situation that I could finally get in there after the Elite Four. But that's where you're supposed to go get Mewtwo. Um, is in that cave. So he is, so Blaine has a dream about Mewtwo, headed to Cerulean City, and then Red's talking about the beast of Cerulean City that fried the city and then or part of the city and then hid in the caves. Um so do, so then Bill tells Red not to go after the beast just because he thinks he can now that he beat Team Rocket back at Saffron City and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But when Red leaves the center after getting off the phone call, he says to himself that it's too late because he's already there and he's taking in the ruins. <laughs> and, and there's some commentary in there that it seems to suggest that it's only a part of the city that got ruined, not the whole thing. Of Cerulean City? Yeah, Cerulean City. Poor Misty if the whole thing got ruined right? and her gyms there. 
And he thinks it's weird looking because it doesn't actually look burned or crushed or anything, but trampled. He thinks it looks trampled. I don't By know. By a queen? <laughs> Maybe it's the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple Peter people eater Nidal king <laughs> so yeah so uh red decides to have all his pokemon pop out when he gets to the cave and they all seem kind of afraid to go in so red tries to enter but then he's blasted back out along with his pokemon by a whirlwind um aerodactyl tries to fly with red and all the pokemon fighting against the tornado and red wants to put everyone away but can't because the pokeballs are missing and that would explain why everything like kind of looked trampled, quote unquote. It was probably just like rushes of air or something that like just blew everything down. Then as they lose their grip, Red quickly uses other empty Pokeballs to recapture all his Pokemon. And he lands on Blaine's Rapidash right in front of Blaine, um, who purposely got underneath Red to save him because he saw what was happening. And they realize Mewtwo is using his Whirlwind as a shield and Blaine is there to defeat him. He then reveals his arm and shows that he is connected to his his creation, which is Mewtwo. He created Mewtwo because the one Mew cell that they were using to create Mewtwo wasn't enough. And so Blaine used cells from his own arm to supplement what they needed, which somehow got some cells on him too. So him and Mewtwo are linked. They're connected. Yeah, they're, con- they're connected. <laughs> and he's pretty sure the cells in his arm will eventually take over take him take Blaine over and kill him so before it does he's basically a Mewtwo track a Mewtwo tracker because he can sense where he's at and because of that he needs to deal with Mewtwo before he himself dies because he feels like he's the only one who can otherwise Mewtwo might disappear and nobody will find him well that's a good thing right that he wants to kill Mewtwo so that it's dealt with yeah it's probably good um I meant it's a good thing that Mewtwo's gonna disappear forever well not disappear forever he'll wreak havoc on things and then get away because nobody will be able to find him. So then Blaine traps Red inside a fireball wall so he can deal with Mewtwo alone and then he rushes into the whirlwind upon his rapid dash in a suicidal attempt to defeat Mewtwo. And so then we move on to chapter 35 and Mewtwo 3. Blaine rushes in and collides with Mewtwo. The whirlwind is gone. The fireball wall is gone and Blaine is still alive. So then Blaine tells Red that he was the one working on Gyarados and Eevee as well. So remember, Gyarados got all messed up, Misty's Gyarados, and which is actually now Red's Gyarados. And then Eevee, we knew, got experimented on because he kept flipping between the different evolutions, which was a preliminary experiment for the Winged Legends. It was still really cool that he could flip which one he was. I agree. The way it happened was not, but... I would kind of like an Eevee that could do that. But imagine, just not just the three starters, but any type, including three ghost. starters. You mean there's three original forms? Yeah. Yeah. Including the ghost type. Yeah, the ghost type. And then he could just turn back into normal Eevee. Yep, that would be fantastic. I would even be cool with just an Eevee that could just do the three, honestly. Like if it could bounce between the three, that would be super cool. I'd win every battle. And he was still there working for Team Rocket when Red infiltrated the headquarters in the game corner back at the Celadon City stuff when he first ends up getting Eevee and everything too. Or around, not quite when he got Eevee. It was a little bit later he got Eevee. But back when he gets in there and Green's in there, um, all that jazz. Before he has that weird trade situation with Blue that got Blue his Machamp. <laughs> do you remember any of that? I think I do. Anyway. So that means oh, yeah, I do. So that means he was still working on for Team Rocket back then when 
Red was going to be getting his grass badge soon, or rainbow badge. But he saw the way that Red acted and treated Mew when everybody was tracing down Mew, because remember they found Mew, um, and how he treated Eevee, and how he treated Gyarados, and it changed Blaine. And that is actually why Blaine turned away from Team Rocket. It was because Red broke into the Team Rocket corner, and Blaine f f saw how Red treated his Pokemon like Mew, and how he treated Gyarados on the Articuno Island, and how he treated Eevee, and all that stuff. And he's like, I'm doing bad stuff. <laughs> and so Blaine betrayed Team Rocket because of Red, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was inspired by Red, and then... Blaine dies. That was those were his like last words. He dies, and a rock hits Red in the back of the head. Oh, and Blaine showed Red the Master Ball, which couldn't be used because of the Whirlwind. Like Blaine had a Master Ball that would have been able to catch me too if it wasn't for the Whirlwind blowing things away. That's important because now Red has the Master Ball or access to it. But yeah, so he turns around, and what hit him in the back was Mewtwo. So Mewtwo hasn't been defeated. The Whirlwind just got stopped after it got collided. But but Mewtwo does look tired. So Red looks for a weak spot and sends in Polyrath, who is smacked away immediately by Mewtwo's giant spoon. <laughs> what? Where? Why? Exactly what Red thought. <laughs> because it's the psychic weapon. Abra, Kadabra, and Alakazam show this because all of them have spoons. Yep. It's a psychic weapon. It's just yeah. psychic Pokemon weapon. Just deal with it. <laughs> um, it is a weapon, but it is a weapon. But then Blaine lifts his head to explain the attack. Oh, look! So, Blaine isn't actually dead after all. <laughs> that confused me. I'm like, wait, he died? <laughs> no, he's still alive. Um, and Blaine tells Red that Mewtwo needs to be destroyed because he can't be weakened to be caught in a Pokeball. Instead of listening to Blaine, just like he didn't listen to Bill and doesn't listen to, like, anybody, <laughs> Red sends the rest of his Pokemon and Blaine tells him he's crazy and it's just going to make Mewtwo use the Whirlwind thing again. Which he does. Oh, but it turns out Red didn't actually send the rest of his Pokemon. I was wrong about that. He just sent Snorlax, Venusaur, and Gyarados. So Polyrath was already knocked away, and he sent Snorlax, Venusaur, and Gyarados, which means he still has two Pokemon left. Which Pokemon are they? Do you remember? Oh, Eevee and Pikachu? No, Aerodactyl and Pikachu? Correct. Aerodactyl and Pikachu. And so, so yeah, he sends the big boys, and that leaves Red with Pika and Aerodactyl, and... He, and the whirlwind comes up because of those of those three that went in, and Red soars into the whirlwind with Aerodactyl. Um, isn't there explanatory before this about how Mewtwo does diff two different storms depending on where people are trying to attack him? I think so. Yeah, the whirlwind is if a bunch of things are attacking, which is what Blaine was trying to warn him. If you send everybody like that, then he's going to use the whirlwind attack, which is what Red ended up doing, which is why I yelled at him for him. So yeah, so he soars into the whirlwind with Aerodactyl, wanting to get in before the wind is at full power, because it just started, right? But it's still super strong, and, he's, and he is still blown away with Aerodactyl, but then he tosses Pika back in, and Pika opens his mouth and reveals that he's carrying something. The Master Ball! The Master Ball! And then Pika collides with Mewtwo, and... Mewtwo is captured. Yeah, Red knew what he was doing. He purposely started the world. Yes, he did. And then the pain in Blaine's arm subsides, and he wonders if Mewtwo's anguish also subsides for has only known cruelty by humans. So he's guessing that the pain in his arm might have been linked to Mewtwo also just feeling a lot of pain and anger because he was treated so poorly. Um, 
And so then Red tells Blaine that maybe Mewtwo could learn something different. And then Red heads off, looking to eventually reach Indigo Plateau. Because, why is he headed to Indigo Plateau? Doesn't he need eight badges? No. So far, all we've heard about are seven badges. Remember there was the amplifier? It only needs seven badges. He's just going for seven badges. That's all he needs. Unlike the game, and unlike the anime. <laughs> Isn't there a big showdown with you? There is, but he does not say that he needs to go to another gym. There's no indication from anyone that he needs to go to this gym. And I don't think we even see a badge at the end of his battle with Giovanni. He just is headed to the Indigo Plateau. Are you sure he didn't get a badge from Giovanni? I might be wrong, but I don't think he did. What does that book say? Go to the end of the book. Badges 7. So even in the back of the book, it says he only has 7 badges. And we know he fights in the tournament eventually. Why does he... So, well, this is a weird thing about the badges, okay? So, like, in this... In this manga, only seven are needed, and the amplifier only amplifies seven, even though the game has eight. It's also weird because in the anime, you do need eight badges, but you can get more because apparently there's more around Kanto because Gary has them. <laughs> so the badges are very inconsistent across the three media. <laughs> you need seven to eight. You can get zero to like 20 or something. It's all just interesting to me is all. Anyway. Then we make it to chapter 36. Drat that Dratini. So there's a girl, a little blonde girl, is attacked by a Dratini in the Viridian Forest. Now, as players of the game, we know that Dratini are, like, only in the Safari Zone, I think. I think it's the only place we found them, anyway. They're certainly not in Viridian Forest. The only thing in Viridian Forest are Weedle, Caterpie, and the evolutions thereof. So, like, Metapod and Kakuna. And, rarely, Pikachu. Which is where Pika comes from. In but this Viridian Forest is special. Well, also, in this Viridian Forest, we've already met a Kangaskhan back early chapters, which also didn't make sense. So anyway, she's attacked by Dratini. Red uses Venusaur to deal with it and save the girl. She wishes she had a friend like Venusaur, and so Red gives her Pika to throw at Radita. Before she does, they kind of get introduced, right? She's like, so he's like, hey, this is Pika, Pika, you know. We meet this little girl. <laughs> um, so they kind of have, like, this connection already. Um, and then the little girl throws Pika, or has Pika go over to the Radita, and Red tells her to give Pika a command, and shows a list of moves from the Pokedex. Which I love how they keep bringing the Pokedex to feel like the video game to some extent. <laughs> um, and so then, with Pika, she knocks out the first Radita by accident. So Red has her try again on another one. Um, also, Redita are not in the Viridian Forest either. <laughs> They're on the first route between Viridian City and Pallet. Um, so yeah, Red has her try again on another one um, to just weaken it instead of defeat it. He can tell Pika is happy to be back in Viridian Forest. Um, and then he gives the girl a Pokeball to throw at the Redita once it's weakened, and she captures it, and now has her very own Pokemon, which is cool. And I think it's a common thing. I think there's, like, youngsters in some of the games. Maybe not Red and Blue. I don't remember. But youngster trainers often have, like, a Rattata or something mm -hmm. to fight with. And, in fact, in Pokemon Go, there's a badge for how if you've caught so many Rattatas, you get a bronze and then catch more. And it's the youngster badges. Or, yeah, youngster. Because that's their common Pokemon. And she's a youngster, basically. That explains so much in Pokemon Go. I'm like, I'm not a youngster. What am I? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I don't look into my badges very much. I don't that often, but yeah. It's fun to know where they come from. Um, but then we have a Golem and a Weezing pop out an attack, and Red notes that it is strange that Pokemon are acting so hostile 
And I thought it was strange that a Dratini, a Gollum, and a Weezing were in Viridian Forest. But then I think maybe... But then I was I also remember that Kangaskhan was around there as well, uh, from what I remember with Red and uh, Blue. Because I think the Mew incident with Red and Blue was in a, nearer to Pallet Town. So then Red and the girl fly up with Aerodactyl, just as more than one Gollum and Weezing all attack at once. And then Red thinks that was weird that they ganged up like that, and he also wonders why Dratini was even in the forest since they aren't normally there. Never mind the, you know, Gollums and Weezings, I guess. I've read it, though. But I was very happy that Red was also being like, hey. Because, like, for me, it was, I didn't like that all these random Pokemon were in this forest when they're not in the game that way, right? So it bugged me. But then even Red was like, hey, why are these in this forest? They don't belong there. And that made me happy, because then he was also recognizing it was wrong. So the girl lives in Viridian City, and so they land there, and some other kids told her not to go out there, apparently. And when Red asks why, he learns there are lots of Pokemon attacking in the forest, and they often see Pokemon they've never seen before there. So we get more information that this is something that's going on that's weird. Um, Then they're impressed with Red's Pokedex, and that he knows Professor Oak. They're like, whoa, you know Professor Oak? That's awesome. And so then Red decides to introduce himself and his mission, including battling other trainers. So then they inform him the gyms that the gym of Viridian City has been closed for a long time, just like in the game, right? It was closed. And that no one really knows who the gym leader was, but that he seemed to be invincible. So then Red pops out Gyarados to take him across the river to get to the gym, and they're all understandably a little scared of Gyarados, but Red explains, mostly to the girl, that Pokemon can be scary looking but are basically kind creatures. It is the owners that can train them up to be bad, but if a trainer trains them with kindness and gentleness, then they can grow up to always be a good friend. The girl seems to soak in the words, and the little Rattata also listens in. So as Red uses Gyarados to cross the river the kids try to point out that there's just a bridge right over there he didn't need to do that but red is already over and returns gyarados and to the ball and heads to the gym <laughs> this was probably faster gyarados maybe <laughs> except that he explained gyarados and everything he could have just walked over to the bridge originally because it wasn't far <laughs> it was good that he explained it oh it is good but it would have been faster to not have popped gyarados out at all so they scope out the place uh the gym with venusaur um and Red even mentions that this was where they had found Bulbasaur before with Professor Oak, back in the early days of the manga. They eventually enter the closed-up building, and the broken bust of the gym leader also has a broken nameplate, making it impossible to read the name. But Red feels like he has seen the face before. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but did this statue, the bust of the gym leader, did it get broken when they fought in there before? Or was it already broken when he came to get Bulbasaur? Because I almost remember something getting broken off of it or something during the fight with, like, Machamp and stuff. Do you remember when he gets Bulbasaur? Sort of. So, like, he's the last Pokemon they're trying to get back for Professor Oak. When all the Pokemon escaped from Professor Oak, when Red snuck into Professor Oak's lab. It was in the first volume. So. Okay. So, like, Red already had his Poliwhirl. And they kind of caught a Nidoran, I think. But we never see the Nidoran again. I don't know that I remember, anyway. But... His first Pokemon in the in the book, then, because he gets one of the starters, because Blue already has Charmander, and we find out Squirtle was stolen later. So how he gets Bulbasaur is they're getting those last Pokemon, and there's one inside the abandoned Viridian City gym with the statue, but I don't remember if it was broken then. And 
I'm pretty sure it was a Machamp they end up fighting in there too with the Bulbasaur, which Bulbasaur uses like its solar thing or something. I don't even remember. But like Red has a connection with Pokemon, right? He's able to befriend them and that stuff. So that connection, Professor Oak's like, yeah, you can keep that. And I think that's when he gets his Pokedex too. Because Professor Oak is like, all right, yeah, that's your Pokemon now. Here's your Pokedex. Go on your journey. <laughs> that's how that all goes down. But I'm just, I just, I was just trying to remember if the statue gets broken during that fight. I thought it did, but may, I could be wrong. It's been a while. It's definitely broken now. So yeah, with the nameplate broken, it's impossible to read who is the gym leader. Um, but Red feels like he's, but Red feels like he's seen the face before. Then, with light behind this mysterious figure, making it impossible to see who he is, a man steps forward and welcomes Red. He knows the kid's name and was expecting him. He even knows about hunting for fossils back in Diglett's cave in that random chapter before the Articuno Island seafoam stuff. And he also knows about Red's battle at the Sylph Company. Then Red has flashbacks to the whole Magmar chapter, which was the fossil chapter, and the guy in the f that was with him there, Red realizes he is talking to that same guy that helped, that he went out of the caves with and who gave him the old amber, which gave him Aerodactyl. And this mysterious figure, he reveals that even then, he was, even back then, when they met in Diglett Cave area, he was the Viridian City gym leader. Dun dun dun! Then chapter 37. Golly Gollum. So, it's Giovanni, as we all seem to know. He reveals his name, and that he is the leader of Team Rocket. So then Red looks around immediately, sure that the other Team Rocket Around, there must be other Team Rocket people around and wondering if he should attack first. But Giovanni predicts all of Red's thoughts, it seems, and takes off his jacket and lets all his Pokeballs fall to the ground, letting Red have the advantage. And then he puts his jacket back on. Then Red sends in Polyrath, but he is quickly tossed aside by Cloyster. Who I thought was a Ghastly at first, because the center of Cloyster kind of looks like Ghastly. Don't you think? Yes. What do you think? Does it look like Ghastly? I used to think Cloyster evolved from Glass. Oh, did you? Forgot about that. Alright. Giovanni mentions that in the few seconds it took Red to get the Pokeball and release Polyrath, that he, Giovanni, was able to grab one of his balls off the floor and send his Pokemon in, the Cloyster, thereby teaching Red that a trainer's own speed and skill are important to Pokemon battles, not just the ability to shout out commands to their Pokemon and choose which ones you use. So Giovanni is quick and clever, and apparently very calculating on seconds. <laughs> um, so then there's a bet that if Red wins, Giovanni will not pressure Red to, into joining Team Rocket, because he thinks that Red would be a valuable asset to Team Rocket. But if Red loses, he must serve Team Rocket faithfully. He even allows Red to have his Pokemon close by while Giovanni's are on the floor still. But Red being the true hero-type character, wants it to be a fair fight. So he also puts his Pokeballs out on the floor. And then the battle begins. Red gets there first to his Pokeballs, sends out Snorlax, who is then stopped by Nidoqueen, who tail-whips Snorlax through a wall and lands him outside. Giovanni let Red be faster and used that speed against him, he says. He is teaching Red so that he will be even more effective in Team Rocket. Then Giovanni sends in Gollum, and Red dodges and chooses not to send out another Pokemon, because he's going to let Gollum just bounce around until he disappears through the hole. And Gollum does bounce around. Then when he gets to the hole that Snorlax created with his body, he has Snorlax headbutt the rock Pokemon. 
But then Gollum uses rock throw and explosion. And Giovanni explains that when he sent out Gollum, he had already intended to finish with that move, and it was why he needed to take the fight outside earlier. So he created the hold just for that purpose. So he had planned it. So he's outsmarting Red at every move right now. Yeah, he's fast, and plans fast, and is very dangerous. Then he tells Red not to move, as he has a drill hold up a pin arm to Red's throat. So he's got Red cornered. Red backs up against a wall with a Pokeball hidden under his foot, and then unleashes the Aerodactyl and says that Giovanni should be the one to give up. And that's pretty much the end of that chapter, because most of it's just a lot of cool battling. <laughs> well, the way he sends out Aerodactyl... Looks like he has the wings. Out. Yeah, he looks like he just grew some, like, pterodactyl or aerodactyl wings. Yeah. Alright, and then chapter 38. The final chapter we'll be covering this week. Long live the Nidto Queen. Long live the Nidto Queen, that's right. Red rises in the air with aerodactyl and has the Pokemon unleash Hyper Beam on Giovanni and Beedrill down below. When the smoke clears, they are gone. Then the building starts to collapse, and Red rushes off to rescue the tossed-aside Polyrath, who was still in the building, and gets hit by rubble in the process. Then he finds Giovanni standing over him, along with Nidoking, who caused the earthquake that demolished the gym. As well as Nidoqueen, Rhydon, Rhyhorn, and Doug Trio. He is impressed by Red because he was just using Pokemon outside of his specialty, Cloyster and Beedrill, but now he needs his best fighters, the ground type. Also, this, to me, would suggest that Giovanni is a cheater. Because how many Pokemon does he have total so far? So, Beedrill, Gollum, Nidoqueen, Nidoking, Rhydon, Dugtrio, Rhyhorn. Rhyhorn. So, seven? He has Nidoking, Nidoqueen, Rhydon, Rhyhorn, Dugtrio, Gollum, Cloyster, Beedrill. Eight. He used two that weren't his specialty, and now he's just got the six, I guess, technically, with Gollum, who exploded, so he's gone at the moment. But He's naughty. Yeah, right? Cheater, cheater. Pumpkin eater. So then Red tries to fly off with Arrow again, but Giovanni has Rhyhorn tail whip Arrow, and then Rhydon uses Fisher, causing the ground to collapse under Red, and now he hangs off a cliff. He has also lost his Pokeballs. Giovanni gloats and mentions the other three Team Rocket gym trainers and their specialties and his own specialty of ground while listing off his five ground Pokemon that are left. <laughs> uh, Red catches sight of two of his Pokeballs, goes for them, but Dugtrio bursts out and sends them flying, and Red then finds that their opening mechanisms are damaged from Dugtrio's attack. Yeah, making so they can't open. Um, yeah, so they can't be released, and... Then Giovanni explains how Red has been traveling throughout the land. Or, you know, across the land. Searching for <laughs> You got where I was going. Good job. To areas controlled by Giovanni and used for his purposes. The Pokemon caught for experiments were brought to Celadon City Labs, which is where the game sent corner was. Then trained in the neighboring Saffron City, which is where Sylph Company is. And then they were taken to Vermilion City, the electric city put on the SSN to Cinnabar, and then to Viridian, where they were deposited in the Viridian Forest. And this explains why there are so many random violent species in the Viridian Forest. It's all been his work. Then, no trainer came by to interfere since the Viridian City gym leader was quote-unquote missing, 
So there is no reason for trainers to go there. So then suddenly Pikachu's Pokeball snaps up to Red and the trainer's comment, uh, Red's comment to it makes it sound like Pika himself managed to do it. So that's what I gathered. Is that what you get from there? When Red comments about the Pokeball getting there, he's like something to Pika. Like he's communicating with him like Pika did it himself. Like Pikachu, good guy. Yeah, something like that. So that's kind of cool that Pika was able to pop his ball around <laughs> like a like a hamster in a ball. So then a battered red, like he's been beaten up pretty bad, claims he's going to end Team Rocket. Giovanni laughs and explains that five seconds need to pass for Pikachu to get out, charge its Thunderbolt, and attack. And during that time, Nidoqueen will have pierced red with a poison sting. What nobody decides to mention at all is that Nidoqueen is immune to electric attacks because it's a ground type <laughs> anyway red is still confident and tosses the pokeball then we get a really cool sequence of panels counting down the seconds pika comes out of the ball buzzing with five seconds remaining he's flying through the air electric energy charging even more and Nidoqueen seems surprised and we have four seconds remaining then giovanni exclaims that it is impossible and pika starts peeing <laughs> as in like getting saying pee <laughs> not actually peeing <laughs> um with energy all around him and three seconds remaining red snaps his fingers and two seconds remaining and then thunderbolt and this attack takes up the bottom two-thirds of both pages. And despite its breaking the rules of the game with the ground-type stuff, it is a really cool moment. <laughs> Nidoqueen crashes down. Red looks really beat up, but he still speaks and says that if Pikachu doesn't have time to charge after opening the Pokeball, then Pika has to start while still inside the Pokeball. Which, duh. <laughs> but... Giovanni makes a good point in his astonishment that no one could hold a Pokeball charged with thousands of volts of electricity. And then Red holds up his gloved hand. The glove that he got from the defeated Lieutenant Surge. Because part of Surge's outfit, because it, it was part of Surge's outfit to protect him from electricity. Do you all remember that in the Sylph Company? Yeah. But the fingers could get, still get shocked. I agree, so he must have not been putting his fingers on there. So Giovanni can't believe he was defeated by his own weapons, basically, because the, the gloves were a Team Rocket design. And Red tells him his downfall was actually the suffering he caused to Pokemon. Then, with that zinger, Red collapses. <laughs> he wakes up, and the blonde girl he rescued in the last chapter... The last chapter? Two chapters ago? Two chapters ago. Um is taking care of him, and Pika sits in her lap nicely. She tells Red he collapsed near the edge of the forest, and she was afraid he was dead. She also tells Red the Pokemon are being tamed by the other kids and such, as they gathered up their courage to go into the forest now. Then she tells Red it would be nice if someone could team... Or team... <laughs> it would be nice if someone could teach them how to train Pokemon, since the gym is destroyed and no one else around there knows much about training Pokemon. So Red says he'll come back and be the best gym leader ever and help out once he has achieved enough to be a true gym leader. But for now, he's off to the Indigo Plateau. But now, with the final gym defeated in the manga, let us turn to the final gym in the anime. Who will be the gym leader in there? Will it be Giovanni? Just like in the game and manga? Let's find out. Episode 63, The Battle of the badge. 
So we just had Ash of them got to Viridian City, but then Horsey was feeling down because it didn't get enough water, like in the Bleach Beach Blanket Blastoise episode. So they went back to Cerulean City, had the little performance there, and then they left Horsey there. And then they were traveling back, and they ended up dealing with a bunch of Clefairy and Clefairy tales. Um, doesn't the Clefairy meet Jigglypuff? Yeah, that's the Clefairy Tales one. So now we're in Viridian City. They find the gym, the Viridian City gym, which looks like a big fancy place. And then Gary shows up, and despite having ten badges already, he barges into the gym first because it seems like nobody's able to beat the gym, so he wants to prove himself. And the guards only let one trainer in at a time. Apparently, trainer is the key word, because later we definitely see that he has his little cheer squad in there with him. So they let them in with him. And so Ash is mourning the situation because Gary's already been one step ahead of him all the time. And he's feeling down. And so then Togepi goes over to Ash to comfort him or to touch, you know, whatever. He's just hanging out. And Ash thinks Pikachu is com- is comforting him and is surprised to find Togepi, which causes him to accidentally launch Togepi into the air right into a pharaoh's mouth who then flies away. <laughs> Misty is not happy with Ash. But should we care? I don't know. What do you think, Ruby? Should we care that Missy's not happy with Ash? About Togepi being launched? Her Togepi being launched into a pharaoh's mouth? Oh yeah, she mentioned that was her Togepi more than once, and I was like, it's not yours, it's Ash's, so... (laughs) Just out, Missy. Right? So annoying. Especially since it's Ash's Pikachu that usually saves Togepi from problems. (laughs) Anyway, Togepi ends up getting dropped right next to Team Rocket... And so they work hard to try to get Togepi, and there's some really ridiculous situations that would also result in more Team Rocket death, but they get Togepi. Meanwhile, Gary is battling the gym leader of Viridian City, and it turns out to be Giovanni, the leader of Team Rocket. And it's a 3 versus 3 match, and Gary is as ridiculous as Ash when it comes to type matchups. Do they not train anybody in Pallet Town? <laughs> anyway... Giovanni decides to change the game and reveals another Pokemon hidden behind a door. And it is a strange Pokemon with some sort of cyber armor suit and hooked up to cables. It starts tearing through Gary's Pokemon with psychic attacks because he was told he could just launch whatever he wants at it. So yeah, so that, yeah, it's not going well for Gary. Then later, we find that Team Rocket has delivered the rare Pokemon Togepi to Giovanni. And he wants to know what it does. But of course, Team Rocket has no idea because up to this point... Togepi has done nothing except be cute. And so, of course, Giovanni is disgusted because he has no need for useless Pokemon. But then there's an urgent call, and Giovanni needs to leave. So he puts the three fools in charge of the gym while he is gone. And, of course, they think of this as a promotion. Meanwhile, outside, Misty is giving Ash a piece of her mind again after they have all failed to find Togepi while searching. Togepi snuck out of the room when they were talking. Team Rocket and Giovanni. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Which leads us to this point where uh, Togepi shows up already inside the building and opens the door for them so they're all able to enter the gym. <laughs> um, Gary and the cheerleaders are in shock at Gary's defeat from a strange Pokemon he's never seen before. Then Ash gets ready to battle and finds he is facing James and Jesse and Meowth of Team Rocket. and Well, it's mostly just Jesse, I guess. And they set up platforms for them to battle on, which have the added bonus of causing Ash to feel every hit his Pokemon do. Actually, they both. uh, Yes, what Team Rocket didn't think through is that they built both sides to do the same, and so Jesse also feels pain. (laughs) You are correct. And then they're like, why did you do that? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, Jesse yelled at James. Yeah. At first, it seemed like Ash wouldn't be able to make it through, and Gary even tried to talk Ash down because he's like, he's going to get himself killed. But then by the end, as Ash continues through and braces through the pain, like pushes through the pain and keeps fighting, he even impresses Gary. Gary's actually impressed with him. Though Gary is still sure that no one can defeat the mysterious Pokemon he met, the armored one. Then, when Ash wins, they refuse to give him the badge, and so then Meowth is going to explode Ash's platform. But Gary helps out, he launches himself into the fray, and they end up getting the button for the other platform pushed and send... Blasting off again. <laughs> and then the earth badge falls to the ground and Ash has all eight badges he needs for the Pokemon Indigo League. Woohoo! And in case anybody's wondering, the mysterious armored Pokemon inside there was Mewtwo. And we'll see more of him later. Then we go to episode 64. It's Mr. Mime time! And this episode has some re- Ridiculous moments that I think are hysterical. <laughs> so, not knowing where to go for the Indigo League, because Ash is an idiot, it <laughs> doesn't know anything about battling for tournaments or gyms or anything. Apparently, <laughs> um, he decides to head back for to head back to Pallet Town with Misty and Brock. But on the way, they run into an invisible wall and find a Mister Mime climbing up it. Ash wants to catch it, but then a woman shows up wanting to catch it instead, because she needs it for a circus since her Mr. Mime won't perform. But then Mr. Mime gets away. Brock is, of course, smitten with the lady and vows to help, and puts Ash into a Mr. Mime costume. <laughs> and Ash finds out that the woman is a bit harsh of a trainer. And what does she look like? She looks like a tamer, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, so we've had tamer trainers twice, kind of, because we also had Jesse Bell being a, tra- a tamer. Uh, James's fiance, the one that looks just like Jesse. <laughs> Jesse Bell. Except I think the hair. Yeah, the hair, well, hair was styled different. Color was the same. Face was the same. Accent was a little different. <laughs> that was a fun episode, too, actually. Okay, so before Ash can perform as the Mr. Mime, though, Team Rocket shows up because they want a Mr. Mime, and so they kidnap him, not realizing it's Ash. And Ash's mom actually happened to be in the audience, and she is like, that was Ash, wasn't it? <laughs> but then, right after realizing that, after the commercial break, she's like, oh, that's fine. Once they realize it's Ash, they'll just let him go. <laughs> so she's all cool about it. She apparently is clueless about Team Rocket. Um, although it does turn out to be just fine, but they don't just let him go. It's not quite how that works. <laughs> um, so at the little hideout of Team Rocket, they do undercover the truth. Though at first they think Mr. Mime took off his own head, and then he was a Mr. Mime with the head of a twerp. <laughs> um, so some ridiculous thought processes there. It's like, he took off his own head! Mr. Mime has the head of twerp! <laughs> like, where's your sense of logic, people? <laughs> Recognize it's a costume! Um, and so Ash, because Ash tries to explain it to him. Oh, and before that, he actually was all tied up, and he was gagged. Like, they wrapped a rope around his mouth, because they thought it was Mr. Mime, right? And he still muffles like he's actually gagged, even though that's not actually his mouth being tied up. His mouth is free inside the costume. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense! So, that's dumb, but hilarious to me. Them thinking that it's actually Mr. Mime ripping off its own head, and then Ash's head is attached to a Mr. Mime, is also dumb and hilarious. Ash tries to explain things to him, and he just gives up on him, because they're idiots. 
even though he's kind of an idiot. <laughs> and so he's just like, forget you guys, I'm leaving. And he steals their balloon. <laughs> it just it just rides away with their balloon. <laughs> that was really It was. So um and then Team Rocket is angry with Ash for tricking them. Which wasn't what he was trying to do at all. <laughs> Back at Ash's home, the escaped Mr. Mime that they're originally trying to catch shows up at Ash's mom's place or shows up at the Ketchum's residence and Ash's mom mistakes him for Ash because of the costume, right? They figure you're just gonna let him go. And so she takes care of him, not really thinking about, hey, why is he still wearing the stupid costume? And how is he eating through it? Because <laughs> she gives him food. <laughs> and then, so while he's getting taken care of and all that stuff, then Ash shows up and he's like, hey, I'm back. And she's like, I know. Because <laughs> she thought he was already back. And then she sees the two Mr. Mimes, and this is the comment that really gets me. She sees them, and she's like, does Ash have a twin brother? <laughs> because they both look like Mr. Mime? Okay, first of all, it's a Mr. Mime in a Mr. Mime costume. So, like, Ash doesn't look like Mr. Mime, so it wouldn't be a twin. And wouldn't she remember having a second child? Exactly! That's the second thing! How do you... you like you should know <laughs> you're his mother <laughs> maybe ash is adopted i don't know <laughs> well did she only sign the papers for one kid or two kids well maybe she only owns one okay uh, owns one <laughs> adoption is you usually don't use the term own <laughs> what do you use i just I'm in possession of this child. I've adopted one. Did she only adopt? Which would be possible, but... Yeah, it's just... It's so funny. I thought it was hysterical, because it, it was just so dumb. <laughs> so then, like, Team Rocket shows up with their, like, weird little tank thing to deal with Ash and everybody, and... They fail, they blast off again, and that's the end. Well, they, there's a little bit more. So, like, they're trying to get to them... Mr. Mime shows up, builds a wall. They can't get through it because it's an invisible wall thing. So they try to back up. But then the lazy, the Mr. lazy Mr. Mime sees the other one doing its thing. And it's like, well, maybe I can do more. And so he jumps in and builds another wall. And then together they build like a whole like tower encasing the tank inside of it. <laughs> because they're competing against each other. Like, I could build higher. Right, right, right. And yeah, then they get rid of Team Rocket and that's all that. And then... Then the Mr. Mime has, obviously, the circus Mr. Mime has been motivated to actually perform again. The other Mr. Mime now lives with Ash's mom, like, it's her Pokemon now, and everything's all hunky-dory. Then we get to episode 67, Showdown at the Poke Corral. So this one, the title is kind of a pun about the OK Corral, which is a Western situation, I think, if I remember correctly. Or Western references, just like Jesse James and, um, what's the other one? Jesse, yeah. Jesse James and Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did I, did, were you around for that? You probably weren't. Butch Cassidy and Jesse James are two real people that existed during the Old West, and they were both like train robbers and bank robbers and stuff like that. And they split their names for these two different Team Rocket groups <laughs> Butch and Cassidy and Jesse and James. Anyway, so showdown at the Poke Corral. Ash? It's really funny that Jesse and James, those are more common names around here. Um, and they were both one name. And Butch and Cassidy, they're not so common. It's its not like Jesse and Cassidy. And Cassidy's actually kind of a common name still. 
I don't know many people named Butch. Is it though? It is. Mm, Your mom has, I think, a cousin named Cassidy. That's a weird cousin. <laughs> You're a weird cousin. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any arguments there. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. So this episode, Ash goes to see Professor Oak, because he needs to know more about the Indigo League. And Gary's there. And, of course, Gary is back to his usual poking at Ash instead of being impressed like he was before. So then we find out, like, they both have been impressive in their Pokemon catching in different ways. Gary has caught more different kinds of Pokemon, whereas Ash has caught a total, like, a, a bigger total of Pokemon, but not different kinds. It's because a bunch of Tauros. Because he has 30 Safari Balls of Tauros sitting in there. <laughs> Which we would understand. Because they reference it, but like we never would have seen that episode if we didn't watch the Japanese version. Because that one never came to America. They should have just never made the Porygon one or something. The Porygon had nothing to do with that one not coming oh. to America. It's the oh. guns. The stupid guns. Jeez. <laughs> anyway. And then they're told that they need to start training for the Indigo League, which is coming up uh, soon. I think like two months or something. Which is interesting, because they're like, hey, you need to train. And then we are going to go through a lot of episodes before the Indigo League. Where <laughs> That's just it's filler. <laughs> There's fun episodes in there, but it's filler. Meanwhile, Team Rocket is headed to some Team Rocket headquarters in the forest. But as they approach, they see something shoot out the top of the building and fly away. And then the building explodes! Jesse and James rush over and find Giovanni and his Persian climb out of the rubble. He yells at them and then grabs onto a helicopter ladder and flies off. The thing that we saw escape was Mewtwo. And this is interesting because because of the delay of Porygon, these episodes aired later than they were supposed to. And so the movie came out before these episodes when it was originally supposed to come out after these episodes. And so... They had to do a little extra in the beginning of the movie, from what I understand from reading some stuff, to help explain where Mewtwo came from, because we didn't get introduced to Mewtwo in the anime yet when we were supposed to have. Anyway, Team Rocket head off to sneak through Professor Oak's large chunk of land, because he owns many acres, well, for the Pokemon to roam. This was what he has to, because he's my Pokemon. Oh, yeah, right. Meanwhile, Oak is giving Ash, Gary, and the rest a tour of the area, and showing what Oak has to do every day to take care of all these Pokemon that Gary and Ash send him. Then Gary and Ash decide to battle to train, but they are interrupted by Team Rocket, of course, who went through a lot of trials on their own. Like, there's a lot that happens with Team Rocket. We keep going back and forth. But, like, they run into, like, Beedrill again, which goes back to the whole Viridian Forest Samurai episode, and just a lot of problems. But they finally make it, and Team Rocket... Is then dealt with very quickly because they're like ready to, like, Gary and Ash are like, oh, we got them. But then the Tauros show up and run them off. <laughs> Ash's herd of Tauros. <laughs> Which also break the fence. And this is important because Gary then decides to head out and train before the championship and decides he and Ash will just face off there instead. Just like what, just like in the manga, actually. Blue says that to Red after the Sylph Company stuff. It's like, we'll face off the Indigo League. But then, so he leaves, so they don't actually get the battle. Gary and Ash still don't get the battle. We've never seen the battle, I don't think. And Ash and, the re and Brock and Misty and stuff are all stuck fixing the fence that Ash's Tauros broke. <laughs> mm -hmm. Alright, now that we've 
decided they need to train. We are in a bunch of episodes where they're supposed to train and Ash doesn't train because he's distracted easily. And we'll cover two of those episodes this time and we'll cover more later on. And the movie is part of that distraction. <laughs> he also sounds like someone else I know. I have no idea who you're talking about. I think she was referring to your older brother, but you as well. No, I was referring to two people. But yes, you and your older brother are (laughs) notorious. Rosella and Flame. So, episode 68, The Evolution Solution. Ash is supposed to be training, and while he does, his mom, Misty, Brock, and pretty much everybody else in Palatown besides Professor Oak are off to an island to relax and have a little vacation. Ash feels down about that and goes to see Oak, who wants to know more about Shelder's transformation when attached to Slowpoke or Bro's tail. Then he remembers another professor who is studying Slowpoke on the same island everyone else went to conveniently enough. So Ash uses that as an excuse for training, because he has to learn about Pokemon, that's part of his training, right? And heads off to the island. They meet the wacko professor, and Psyduck and Slowpoke... So Misty Psyduck and his Slowpoke have ridiculous conversations with a lot of question marks. Meanwhile, Giovanni is relaxing on the beach as well and wants James and Jesse to get a shelter onto the professor's Slowpoke and bring him the slow bro that it becomes. So there is some chasing around and then Psyduck sends Team Rocket flying off. Um, what? I don't know if that's what Giovanni says. Oh, I thought that's what he wanted. Maybe I, I could be wrong. Well, Team Rocket decided that's what he wanted. Well, he had But they look- were going to go rob the place. And the only thing there that was kind of interesting was Slowbro, or Slowpoke. So they're like, let's make him evolve into Slowbro, then the boss will love us. Oh, that could be. I know originally what happened is they were digging around because he wanted to find stuff, and they found a shelter while they're digging around in the sand or something like that. And then, then it leads into the Slowbro situation. But yeah, you could be right. I might. They're often thinking they know what Giovanni wants without actually knowing what he wants. Besides Pikachu. Wait, does Giovanni actually want Pikachu? Yeah, I think he even references it when uh, he climbs out of the rubble in the last episode. He mentions, like, go get that Pikachu that you guys keep oh, trying to chase. I thought it was just go to your job. That could be. I could be I could be wrong, actually. I don't know if he has many, or if he knows much about the Pikachu. But I've decided that Pikachu is special. Just like Team Rocket has, because otherwise, how does he keep beating all the ground-type Pokemon? Because we've seen other Pikachu not be able to do it, but Ash's Pikachu can. <laughs> it's because he's from the Viridian Forest. Must be. There is a song um, where, at the beginning, Giovanni's like, catch me that Pikachu. Oh, maybe that's where I'm getting it, just from the Team Rocket song. Team Rocket's Rocket. Rocket, <laughs> travel, rocket, travel, gonna find you. Team Rocket's Rocket. Anyway, they are trying to get that shelter onto Slowpoke's tail. They're running around. Psyduck's involved, and I think it's Psyduck that throws them away with his psychic powers, right? Yeah. So he sends them flying, and I think they even say Team Rocket's blasting off again or something. But I think they say it twice in this episode. Exactly. So they say it. Well, they like, Team Rocket's blasting off again or something to that effect. But then the shelter got left behind, and so it ends up getting Slowpoke anyway. And now there is a Slowbro. And the professor does learn something about their mutual benefit of allowing Shelter to be on land, even though it already was. And the balance of the Shelter allows Slowbro to stand on two feet so it can use its other two to punch. Which it does use for a Mega Punch when Team Rocket rushes back in for the Slowbro and get pummeled off again 
I forget what they say this time, but they get punched and fly off again and say their thing and ding. <laughs> um, it's not that the shelter can just be on land. Now it can basically explore and walk and go see new places. Oh. And this, so the slope bro can bring it everywhere. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Like it maybe except that, despite the fact that the shelter can move even on land. That's how it got the slow bro. <laughs> Slowpoke. Well, um, in a different episode, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of slowpoke sticking their tails into the water so that the shelters can bite their tails. Yep. And yeah, so then when that's all resolved, Psyduck and Slowbro have a weird and confusing goodbye moment with more question marks. <laughs> of course. We just need to have... Sai? Slow. Sai? <laughs> and then we get episode 69. The P Kahuna. So, they're still on the same island, and we actually get to see some training. Ash is actually training. He's running, he's even got different clothes on for once, <laughs> and so do Misty and Brock as they're helping him. They're all confused where that was at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so they're running alongside the road and stuff, but it's crazy busy, and they cause a car accident well, or a traffic really jam. weird because they were running and then it got kind of misty. Um, not with a bunch of misty faces. Really. <laughs> but, like, it just got kind of misty. And then, um, after it cleared up, there was a bunch of cars, and the officer Jenny's like, you gotta watch where you're going. And he literally did nothing. Yeah, but everybody's kind of in a rush because of Humungadunga coming soon. And I think Officer Jenny kind of explained some of the, about Humungadunga. Um... So Ash and the gang go to check out the beach and see a lot of folks surfing and planting flags into a giant rock pillar that's kind of a little ways off the beach. And there's one flag at the very top. And they learn it was from a legendary surfer named Jan. And he did it during a different time that the Humunga Dunga came. Because we find out the Humunga Dunga comes every 20 years. We find it out from this older guy after Ash gets... Ash is just like, I'm going to plant a flag up there. So he started surfing and then he got fell off the surfboard, mm-hmm. got caught, caught on some fishing line or something. And then the guy, who was a really good surfer, went out. Was it just him or was something else on a surfboard? A Pikachu. He had a Pikachu with him too. Oh, and Ash I thought you were saying ashes. And I'm like, Tegan, a creepy churd. Oh, no. Something else. So he was on a surfboard. Mm-hmm. And he slightly opens his eyes for a few seconds, and then he's like, Pikachu, confused almost. And then he wakes up in a bed later. Yeah, this Pikachu has blue eyes, looks older, like its fur is, its fur is like more frayed. And I think its name is Puka. Puka! And it can sense the waves. Mm Mm-hmm. In it. In its body. In its tail, I think, especially, I think is what glowed. In its tail. Yeah. So yeah, um, this man... What was his name? I don't even remember. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> this dude is... This dude. He, he also wants to plant his flag at the top. Ever since he witnessed Jan do it, must have been 40 years ago. Because Jan we, is his hero. We know Jan's name and Puka's name, but then... Yeah. Then the dude. So, yeah. He wanted to do it ever, seen, ever since seeing Jan do it. Because then Jan, like, there's a, when he's telling the story, it tells, like, Jan came from the beach after he did it and said, hey, you can do it too. And then Jan was never seen again. And this what? guy also, hold on one second. This isn't uh, my pet theory for this episode. So he also explains that Jan had an ability, it seemed, to sense the waves. And then Jan was never seen again. And 20 years later... 
we get Puka, who has blue eyes, which I think Jan did also. So is Puka and Jan? a Pikachu with Jan inside of it? I think I'm well, I mean, Jan did never get, get seen again, but we know what happened to him. He went sailing around the world. That's what it said, but I mean... But what and, if his boat broke and Pikachu was on that boat and his spirit... Yeah, maybe went, he died. ...and went into the Pikachu. Puka. I'm just saying, it's not as creepy as we never saw. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it to be creepy. I just think it's interesting that I think maybe Puka and Jan are one and the same. Or at yeah. least some merger. Because it does mention how they both had the... Have the ability to sense the waves. That's my That's my pet theory. Pet theory? Yes. My own personal theory that I like to feed and take care of. It's like a pet. It's my pet theory. It's a term. When the other dude tried to do it 20 years ago, he failed, and that's when he ended up with Puka, because Puka showed up and kind of saved him a little bit or something. Well, he saved Puka. Oh, did he save Puka? I can't remember. He was um, just sitting in the water, like on the shore or whatever, and then Puka was drifting on a piece of wood. And oh, then that's right. And then he was on a wave, and then he fell That's off. right. Yeah, he just and came he from the sea, which is where they saw Jan leave to. Bum, bum, bum. Um, yeah. What's interesting to me, though, is so, like, he was obviously a kid 40 years ago, because it's every 20 years Humonga Dunga shows up. And the and the guy we meet looks like he could probably be 40, but that means he would have to have just been born and not been a kid. And then, like, the way he looks like 20 years ago, he looks like a teenager, which he has to at least be over 20 since he was a kid when Jan did it 40 years ago. 20 years go by, he has to at least be 28 which means he's got to be at least 48 now, so almost 50. Probably at the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see him being 58. He but, does look sure, older. Sure, I agree, but the middle one looks like a teenager, not a 28-year-old. <laughs> That's what bothers me a little bit. Well, but then I, again, maybe they just look young. Well, I also know someone who looks like a teenager, and he's actually like 23. Well, to be fair, there is a picture of me when I was in my early 20s, and some people think I look 12 in it, so... <laughs> Well, someone thought my cousin was my mom, and she's six years older than me. And this was, like, when I was five or something. Sure, sure, sure. So she was 11, and she took me to the bathroom. So she was like, she's like, you have such a cute little girl. And it's like, she's my cousin. (laughs) That's a funny story. So anyway, they know that Humungadunga's coming, because Puka can sense it. But then, of course, Team Rocket shows up in their little Gyarados sub, and they have these little extendy arms to get up to the cliff where they're hanging out. Yep. And they grab Puka and Pikachu, but then they are attacked by a bunch of Gyarados who are near the shore for laying eggs, and they don't take too fondly to this fake Gyarados hanging out. And so they end up getting taken out to the sea and being battered around. So, of course, Puka and Pika are fine. And then the wave comes as well. Well, what's... Well, I guess it's at the end of the scene. Okay. So the wave comes, and the man and Puka are able to get out there on the wave. And he does succeed, finally, to get his flag planted on the top right next to Jan. But then, when everything is said and done... like Oh, when he gets done, he also sees a couple of kids, and he's like, Hey, you can do it too. Just like Jan did for him. A girl and a boy. Yes, a girl and a boy. And, but by the end of the episode, we see the Gyarados sub must have got caught in the wave as well, because it's sitting on top of the rock. I didn't remember seeing it. That's hilarious. I didn't see the them get caught in the wave, but at the end of the episode, they're on top of the rock, stuck there. Oh, they the, were on top of the rock. With, it was hilarious, because they said, we'll just wait for the next Humunga Dunga to take us. I'm like, to you're going to be them. dead! Yeah, this is 20 years later. 
Because they're surrounded by Gyarados stuff still. Yeah, they're like mm. the Gyarados. Yeah. But, um, I didn't know they were dropping rock. I thought they were... The guy is, like, they're in a boat and they're out to save the Pikachu because the Gyarados sub did grab them. Yeah. And then drop them. That's right. They were already out there to rescue and them. And then uh, Puka's like, Pika. And uh, he's like, is it Humanga Danga? And then, so he goes out there on the surfboard with Puka. Yeah. Because he's out And I was out. like, how do you just have a flag in your pocket? Are you just going to put your handprint up there or something? No, he's this, like, little tiny metal thing that just stretches out into a flag. So, I mean, it's fine. I was like, I like... Oh, did he have a thing? I didn't even see that. Did he have a little thing that extended into a flag? Yeah, almost like Gambit. Yeah, I was like, you almost can't... Almost like what? Gambit. Oh, like his metal staff? I was like, gotcha. you can't just stuff a flag in your pocket. What are you going to do? Is this going to be one of those super cartoons? I've got a big hammer in my pocket. No, well, it's just this little flag that extends. Oh, it actually made sense. That's weird, because, I mean, they have plenty of weird things in this cartoon that are very cartoon mechanics, so that's cool that they actually had something that made sense-ish. Um, it made perfect sense, really. So, well, I mean, part of the thing that doesn't make sense to me is, like, they have to be strong to get those flags planted into that rock pillar to stay there. <laughs> it takes some effort. And riding the, the human... Like, there's things about the episode that it's just like, eh, eh. <laughs> Because it's cartoon. Still, being able to plant a flag in there makes more sense than just pulling Oh, I completely your... agree. I was like... Because he, he's like, let's go for it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You don't have your flag. I've seen it before, so I'm just watching, and she's like that. And then I'm like, he has a little thingy that extends. Nice. Yeah, I missed like, it. Well, I've seen it before, too, but I didn't remember. Well, I've seen it more than once, and I still didn't see it this time around, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that is our episodes this week, because then, now that we know Mewtwo escaped, and Giovanni has apparently moved on from that issue, we will have the movie. That is what we'll be covering next week. We'll... But it's going to be a little bit more than just the movie. We're going to be covering The Birth of Mewtwo, which comes from actually a different movie was for us at least released later, but it takes place before Mewtwo Strikes Back. We'll be covering Mewtwo Strikes Back and we'll be covering the Pikachu short that was that was released like in theaters along with the movie where they try to take care of Togepi at that Pokemon resort place. And tries to get stuck in a pipe and he keeps blowing yep. it. Yes. So that is what we're planning on covering next week. So that only leaves one more thing, I'm pretty sure, and that is to take a nap. Yeah. Well, it is time for Pokemon cards. Yay! All right, ready for the sniff? Ah. Smells so good. Okay, Tynamo Electric. One alone can emanate only a trickle of electricity. So as a group of them gather to unleash a powerful electric shock. Quillfish, water type. The small spikes covering its body developed from scales. They inject a toxin that can cause fainting. I was going to say fatigue, but it's fainting. Mm. Ooh, a pretty smeargle. I've got like one of these a bunch of people have gotten them yeah morpeko dark type oh i like morpeko but look at the thing he's falling at a tree with fruits nice hunger hormones affect its temperament until its hunger is appeased it gets up to all manner of evil deeds so he gets hangry hangry phalanx fighting type the six of them work together as one Pokemon. 
Teamwork is also their battle strategy, and they constantly charge their formation as they fight. So, when you catch phalanx, are you only allowed to use one of them, or are you allowed to use the whole group of them? You catch a whole group of phalanx, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But 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 it them. is six of them, so that's cheating. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> well, it's like the trio. It's a trio of a triplet thing of Diglett, but it's still one Pokemon. Ooh, a pretty Gudra. It's a dragon type. A pretty Gudra. It's a dragon type. It's stage two. Evolves from Silugu. Sil- Slig- Sligu. Which is from... evolved from Gumi. Yeah, I can picture it. And it's like my pretty one. Ooh, that is pretty. It's water and psychic. It has an ability. Slimmy room. As... Slimmy or slimy? Slimmy. <laughs> Slimmy room. As long as this. <laughs> fine, fine. It has an ability. Slimy. <laughs> I really wanted to say slimy. Slimy room. As long as this Pokemon is in the active spot, whenever your opponent tries to attach an energy card from their hand to a Pokemon, they must flip a coin. If Tails, your opponent discards that energy card instead of attaching it, and this doesn't use up their energy attachment for the turn. At least that's good. Mm. But that's, that's cool. That's cool. Its form of offense is forcefully stretching out its horns. This strikes land a hundred times harder than any blow from a heavyweight boxer. Elect... Tross. Another stage two Pokemon. Evolves from electric. It's an electric Pokemon if you couldn't get that. They crawl out of the ocean using their arms. They will attach prey, attack prey on shore and immediately drag it into the ocean. Oh, that's creepy. I'm pretty sure stage one evolves from the, um, the, um, what's it called? Also, I think it's electric. Evolves from Tynamo. 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 Oh, you think it's electric? And then I got an yeah. It's two e's, right? Electric. E e l. So like an eel. Electric. Okay, electric energy. For your electric. A dark rye. It's a dark type. If you couldn't get that one either. Well, the other one was Elec. There you go. And then... You have some very obvious Pokemon today. <laughs> it can fo- it can lull people to sleep and make them dream. It is active during nights of the new moon. Hmm. Delcaddy evolves from Skitty, normal type. It is highly popular among female trainers for its sublime fur. It does not keep a nest. Zarud, grass type. Once the vines on Zarud's body tear off, they become nutrients in the soil. This helps the plants of the forest grow. We see that a lot in the movie of Secrets of the Jungle. And that is all ten of my Pokemon cards. And what was what was your pack? Did you say? I opened a Fusion Strike Sword and Shield package with some sort of bug type Pokemon on it. Yeah, I think it's like Genesect or something. Alright, Rosella, what do you got? What did you what are you opening? My package is from Scarlet and Violet, Paldean Evolve. Now who's on there? Mouse Karada, I think. Mouse Karada. Mouse Karada. 
My first Pokemon is Bridgebacks. It is water, but it looks like it's actually ice. Yeah, hence the fridge. Fridge. Yeah. Bridgebacks <laughs> um, absorbs heat through its dorsal spin and converts the heat into ice energy. The higher the temperature, the more energy Bridgebacks stores. Is it dorsal fin? Dorsal fin. No, that's what I thought. All right. Okay, and then panda mouse. Tandem tandem mouse. Well, tandem mouse. There's two of them, but they're one Pokemon. That's because they're in tandem. I have a sticker where there's one adult one and a smaller one, another adult one and a smaller one, and they're both looking at each other. <laughs> Exhibiting great um, teamwork, they use their insectures. There's two cut pieces of any material that might be useful for a nest, then make off with them. Exhibiting. Exhibiting. I didn't know how to say it, but I knew what the word was. Brigadito. <gasps> its fluffy fur is similar to composition to plants. This Pokemon friendly washes, washes its face to keep it from drying out. It friendly washes? Frequently. Frequently. Frequently washes. That's funny because cats watch, wash themselves and it's a cat. Yep. And so, and they use the plant form. And so it's like watering its face while washing it. Yep. <laughs> they didn't do that on purpose, I'm sure. Magnetite. Magnemite. Magnemite. The electromagnetic waves emitted by the units at the sides of its head expel navigating which allows it to float which allows it to yeah. float toxic croak evolves from krogan yep. krogan yep. swaying and dodging the attacks of its foe it weaves its flexible body and closes, then lunges out with its poisonous claws. Crocolar. Crocolar. The combination of crocular's fire energy and overflowing vitability has cruised an egg-shaped fireball to appear on the Pokemon's head. Like, it sort of looks like there's a nest and yep. then an egg. Which also resembles a hat, a type of hat. Pelipper. It evolves from wingle ability. Hearsay. When you play this Pokemon from your hand to evolve one of your Pokemon during your turn, you may choose one. N n put a supporter card f from your discard pile into your hand or search your deck for a supporter card reveal, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your deck. It is a flying transporter that carries small Pokemon in its beak. It bobs in on the waves to rest its wings. Quaxwell. Evolves from Quaxley, this Pokemon can surely run through shallow waters to train their legs then compete with each other each other to see which of them kicks most gracefully 
Mouse hold evolves from tandem mouse. They build huge nests with many rooms that are used for different purposes, such as eating and sleeping. So, like an actual house, except because it's a uh, mouse house. Mouse hold or household. <laughs> Were there three pretty cards in that pack? There's Quaxley and Mouse hold and. Then this edge is shimmer. And the bottom was rainbow and Pa Mod evolves from Pa Mo. Which evolves from Pa Me. This Pokemon normally is slow to react, but once it its entire battle, it will strike down its enemies with lightning fast movement. A basic grass energy. And that's all. Nice. Alright, let's see well let's see what did I open? I opened Obsidian Flames from Scarlet and Violet, which has I like think Reverum on the front. Yeah, it looks like Reverum. Reverum. Alright. My first Pokemon is a Phantump. So I got a ghost Pokemon. It's grass though. With a voice like a human child's. It oh, cries out to lure adults deep into the forest, getting them lost among the trees. I'm so happy I am not well, an adult. It is a child's spirit after they got lost in the woods. That's right. Oh man. No, I don't want to go into the woods. Vulpix. Oh, give me, give me, give me. Sit down. As each tail grows, its fur becomes more lustrous. When held, it feels slightly warm. It sounds like a softy. Froki. That is adorable. I have an exact picture, I think. Froki. It protects its skin by covering its body in delicate bubbles. Beneath its happy-go-lucky air, it keeps a watchful eye on its surroundings. I like Froki a lot. Look at this, though. What did I just get? I got grass, fire, water. <laughs> <laughs> and now and one of them basics? is a starter. Yeah. And one of them's a starter. One of them actually is a starter, yes. Froki? Yeah. Darumaka. Darumaka, let me see. Oh, that guy. The Galarian Darumaka is a snow one. This popular symbol of good fortune will never fall over in its sleep, no matter how it's pushed or pulled. <laughs> Almost like Snorlax. Grumpig evolves from Spoink, psychic Pokemon. It can perform odd dance steps to influence foes. Its style of dancing becomes hugely popular overseas. Uh, that looks That's really cool. weird and freaky at the same time. A Paldean Clodsire evolves from Paldean Wooper. I think I might... Have a Paldean Wooper. When attacked, this Pokemon will retaliate by sticking thick spines out from its body. It's a risky move that puts everything on the line. Even its <gasps> life? What was my first card that I revealed? Um, um, I forgot. Um, it was a... Not it, Vulpix. Vulpix was the second one. Um, Phantom thingy. Trevenant evolves <laughs> from Phantom. Don't worry, the thing is probably scary. It has a ability. Forest Miasma. During Pokemon checkup, if this Pokemon is in the active spot, put one damage counter on your opponent's active Pokemon. Small roots that extend from the tips of this Pokemon's feet can tie into the trees of the forest and give Trevenant control over them. Freaky. You know what was freaky? My Pokemon that climbed out of the ocean snatched up their prey and climbed right back in it. I've heard things about that before. It's not that scary. <laughs> Toad's cool. Ooh. 
I've got I thought it was toadstool. Which is what it's based off of, but it's also like the tentacle. Wait, what's a toadstool? A mushroom. Oh, yeah. Hence toad being named toad from uh, Mario. Princess Toadstool. And Princess Toadstool, even though she doesn't look like a mushroom. Toadstool lives in muggy forests. The flaps that fall from its body are chewy and very delicious. I forgot that. <laughs> Ruby is disgusted. Well, <laughs> oh, you'd have to like mushrooms. Okay. I've never had mushrooms. That's not true. You could have had some today at lunch. They were set out. They always look gross, so I don't eat them. All right, looks like my reverse hollow is heat more. Wait, I'm just looking. That's based off of an anteater. It's kind of cool. It's based off of an anteater. Weird looking Pokemon. Yeah. It's an anteater. A flame serves as its tongue, melting through the hard shell of Durant, so that Heatmore can devour their insides. You know the Durants, right? Yep. Which are ants. Ants. (laughs) It's an anteater. It's a metal ant, which means he has to burn through it to be a leader. That's why he's fire. (laughs) That's pretty fun. So good call on the anteater. And that it's super effective against ants. Like, oh. the anteater is super effective against ants because it's fire against metal. Alright, so it looks like my rare has the silvery foil edge or whatever and has the hollow picture as well. Its ability is pressure. As long as this Pokemon is in an active spot, in the active spot, attacks used by your opponent's active Pokemon do 20 less damage before applying weakness and resistance. It's a fire Pokemon. Its description says, It is said that when it roars, a volcano erupts somewhere around the globe. And it is... Entei. (gasps) I have a basic dark energy is what I got beyond that. At least I have an Entei beast. Alright, and that is our episode. So, Routes Through Pokemon is a Hunterfield Institute production production you can find us at the hunterfield institute youtube channel and we are also on spotify amazon music apple and so go ahead and uh, leave a comment like subscribe rate review all that stuff wherever you find us and if you ever want to get in touch with us and just chat with us or whatever we also have an email at hunterfieldmanor at gmail.com and we also have a facebook group that is routes through pokemon So you can always reach us there as well. Beyond that, uh, just keep on listening and enjoying our stuff because we love uh, sending it out there and would love to hear from you. Oh, and then just remember that next week, if you're trying to keep up with us, we are delving into the Pikachu short, Pikachu's Vacation, I think it might be called. And we'll also be delving into the movie Mewtwo Strikes Back when we may also talk a little bit about the remake Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution, Evolution, which some of us are more familiar with, apparently, and it drives certain others of us a little nuts. Egyptian Mew. <laughs> it drives me nuts because I'm more familiar with the remake, and I don't want to be more f- familiar with remakes. I want to be more familiar with originals. <laughs> and we will also Egyptian be covering the origin of Mewtwo, or the birth of Mewtwo, which is its yeah. own little short thing. So, that's what we'll be doing next week, and then after that, we will definitely be doing a bunch more anime. I don't think it'll be manga at all, it'll just be anime. With, I think, some other um, Pikachu or Pokemon shorts or whatever they're called. So, so stay tuned for that, and we will catch you on the next route. Bye. Bye! Bye.